What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Baseball Connection. So yesterday I talked about Brandon Webb and how he had a very short stretch as baseball's most dominant pitcher. That was from 2006-2008, but I want to talk about the pitcher who kind of just picked up where Brandon Webb left off and had another stretch of being baseball's most dominant pitcher. He actually overlapped with Brandon Webb um, at the beginning of this, and I'm talking about Tim Lincecum. So Tim Lincecum had his first full, not his first full year, I guess. Uh, you know, his first full year of the big leagues was his rookie year in 07, where he was just okay, uh, four or five ERA. But his second full year in, in the big leagues was 2008, and he won a Cy Young. Actually, it was his first of back-to-back Cy Youngs, and it was his first of four straight All-Star appearances. But those four years, uh, 2008 to 2011, were basically all we saw of Tim Linscom at his peak. Uh, those are the only four years he threw 200 or more innings. And in a very similar manner to Brandon Webb, he kind of just fell off due to injury. And I want to dig into that a little bit. So, I mean, I also want to say that in the, the the three straight years, 08 through 2010, Tim Lincecum led the National League in strikeouts. Um, and we all know that, you know, he was, uh, you know, a World Series champion for the Giants a bunch of times, but you know he he was a key part of that 2010 run because I was in the middle of his prime, and then of course he was still on the team in 2012 and 2014, but you know he wasn't as impactful by then. But in his in his heyday, Tim Lincecum was as good as guess. I mean he was the best pitcher in baseball. He he was without a doubt. How did he get there? Well, the interesting part about Tim Lincecum is that you know he. He's nicknamed the Freak, and the reason why he's called the Freak is because he had an ability to be a power pitcher even though he was 5'11", 170 pounds. He had a slight physique, and he used every single ounce of his body to generate velocity, and you could see it in his pitching mechanics, the way he would contort his body and absolutely wind up, and he would use this rubber band effect, and... Tim Linscombe was throwing triple digits early in his career. I mean, he was high 90s, 100, even hit 101 early in his career. But he, he could sit in the high 90s. And this is just not something you expect to see from someone who was 170 pounds. You know, 5'11", 170, you just absolutely don't expect that. But he was as filthy as they come. Nasty 12-6 curveball, electric fastball. You know, it, it was just, you know, an unfair matchup for most people. And um, so... You know, Linskin comes out of UW, University of Washington, uh, first-round pick. And, you know, he makes his way up to the Giants. He makes his way up to the Giants. Uh, he's a top prospect and everything. He has all the, you know, all, all the right signs are there when he comes up to the major leagues. Like I said, 07 was his first full year, but he was just okay. He was just okay. Um, he had some good, um, He had some good outings. But when he first came up, one guy he was often compared to was Roy Oswald. You know, Roy Oswald was another pitcher with similar stuff, you know, kind of similar stature, and people always compare them together. And, um, you know, whenever they would match up, it seemed like it was a pitcher's duel, you know, throughout their career. It, it seemed like there was a pitcher's duel, like, every single time they matched up over the years, which is very interesting how they always gave each other their best. But 08 came. And, um, you know, Linscombe was, you know, was was the guy. He was the man for the Giants. I mean, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated on July 7. Ma- makes his um, uh, 
first All-Star game, but he was sick, you know, due to flu-like symptoms and was unavailable to pitch. But, you know, he would go on to finish the year with a 2.62 ERA, 265 strikeouts to lead the National League. Uh, you know, he led the National League in strikeouts per nine, um, FIP, ERA+. plus. I mean, he was a Cy Young. He was an easy choice for Cy Young. I mean, obviously, even back then, wins and losses were important. He had an 18-5 record for the highest win percentage in the National League as well. And, um, you know, he won the, the Cy Young just beating out Brandon Webb. So I think that was the passing of the torch. I think that was the passing of the torch. But the, the biggest thing about Tim Linscombe is that, you know, he did this on, you know, this is early in his career, so he was doing this on, like, the, the rookie salary. You know, he gave the Giants tremendous value early in his career. Obviously, he would be compensated and paid handsomely for it later. He'd make a lot of money later. But, you know, right from the get-go, you know, in his early years, he was really good. Following year, Linscombe puts up, you know, arguably even better numbers. You know, a 2.48 ERA, and uh, you know, 261 strikeouts in 225 innings. You know, identical, almost identical strikeout per nine. And then the year after that, he also leads the National League in strikeouts. 2010, his ERA jumps up a little bit, actually quite a bit, to 3.43, but it's still crazy good. Um, when you lead the National League in strikeouts and strikeouts per nine, so he was a strikeout artist. That's what Tim Lincecum absolutely was. So, I mean, when you look at it in totality, I mean, he has 1,736 career strikeouts. Those are the fifth most by a pitcher who has more strikeouts than innings pitched, which he does, right? Because you, know, you look at that ratio, just if someone has more strikeouts than innings pitched, then, then you really need to start paying attention to them. That's fifth most all time for someone who fits that description. And keep in mind, this dude, I mean, he... he Pitched in the big leagues, I mean, he's still technically not retired, but I mean, his his prime was relatively short. I mean, the guys ahead of him are Hall of Famers Nolan Ryan, Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Sandy Koufax. I mean, Lincecum is also one of two pitchers in MLB history to win multiple World Series championships, multiple Cy Young awards, and throw multiple no hitters, and be elected to multiple All Star games. Only other pitchers done all those things is Sandy Koufax. So, I mean, obviously, we know multiple World Series during the Giants dynasty, multiple Cy Youngs back-to-back in uh, 08 and 09, multiple no-hitters. He did them both against the San Diego Padres. And the interesting thing about the no-hitters is that they came after his prime. I mean, after he was a bit washed up, like, if we're being honest. He did it in 2013 when he, um, he no-hit the San Diego Padres at Petco Park. This was the first no-hitter ever thrown at that stadium. I mean, he struck out 13 batters, walked four and hit one while throwing a career-high 148 pitches. Those are the second most pitches ever thrown in a no-hitter. Just one pitch behind Edwin Jackson's 2010 no-hitter. And then the following year, he no-hit the Padres, this time at home at AT&T Park on 35 fewer pitches. And it was just like putting a nice putting a nice bow on on what had been a phenomenal career. To that point, and it just, it just because he didn't have like you know the same high octane stuff that he used to, but it just went to show that he wasn't just like a power pitcher. He knew how to pitch because even when his velo went down, you know he was able to get guys out. I mean, I think what happened to Tim Lincecum, kind of his downfall, was obviously injuries. You know, he he had some surgeries, he had some some knee issues, 
Uh, you know, he had he had other things um, going up against him. But when you're someone who has been able to generate all your velocity and being able to have success based on your athleticism and being able to contort your body like that, you know, injuries are, are basically the death knell to that. That's what happened to him. So, um, you know, lower back tightness, knee, all those things, they're not going to let you be able to drive down the mound and be the same pitcher. So, you know, the last time he was seen in the majors was Texas Rangers in 2018. I mean, this dude's velocity was down to like, you know, upper 80s to 90. I mean, it was like 10 miles an hour um, lower than what he was in his heyday. And that's just, that's just what happens. I mean, obviously he got older, but I think it was just a physical issue. His body broke down. And um, there are some old-fashioned scouts who will, I mean, maybe I'm being unfair calling them old-fashioned, but a lot of scouts will, nowadays, when they evaluate a pitcher, they will use their, you know, their physical stature as a very key component in their evaluation. We'll say, is this, is this pitcher small? Is he, um, oh, is he slight and skinny? Because a lot of scouts will think that, you know, what happened to Tim Linscombe might happen to that pitcher. I don't know if there's any evidence that smaller pitchers break down um, more more frequently. I don't, I don't really know if there's any evidence against that. And maybe it was just a case of injury because we saw Brandon Webb wasn't a smaller pitcher and he he broke down due to injury so it could just be that Tim Linskin broke down due to injury so that that's that's something that's always been around baseball circles is that uh, you know scouts like to look at physique a lot and it was in Moneyball when um was it Billy Bean said we're not selling jeans here you know we're not here to sell jeans we're here to draft baseball players so but yeah that's Tim Linsicum a short but very dominant peak very, very dominant peak, and he he's managed. I mean, honestly, Tim Linscombe has a Hall of Fame case. I mean, he he really does. I, I don't think he'll get it because his peak wasn't prolonged enough. But he does. He has pitched parts of ten years. You know, uh, surprisingly enough, because he threw thirty eight innings with the Angels in twenty sixteen. Oh yeah, I mentioned the Rangers, but I guess he never you know saw the big leagues with them. You know, he was uh, you know on uh, on a minor league deal, didn't make the team. But yeah, he he has a Hall of Fame case simply because he was just so good. But and and he has the hardware, I guess. You know, the three-time World Series champ, four-time All-Star, two-time Cy Young. But that's gonna be a tough one because his peak just didn't last as long. If his peak lasted, you know, twice as long as it did, instead of you know a four-year a four-year peak, instead of, if it was an eight-year peak, then I think he'd be in for sure. But it's gonna be hard to compare his body of work to someone else because it's interesting he doesn't have the full body of work in terms of longevity but he has the accolades so what do you really do there i think hall of fame requires a combination of both but yeah that's gonna do it for today if you enjoyed this please share it with someone who'd be interested and we'll see you next time on baseball connection